just a bunch of witty banter. Good guy, Papa. Hey, I'll equip, you'll have equip, we'll both have equip. What's up, friends? It's Witty Banter, your favorite podcast of all time. I'm your host, Chase Williams. To my right is the man as hopeful as an Eidolon, Hunter Dorset. <laughs> I'm quite hopeful. Hopeful. Hopeful Eidolon. Eidolon. And to my left is Mr. Esoteric himself, Charlie <laughs> Bingo. A pleasure to be here. <laughs> yeah. It's a pleasure. What's up, man? We got a whole other guest on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself? Who are you, Charlie? That's a great question. I'm not so sure about that myself. Yeah, I figured that's life's yeah. journey right there. Exactly. You know, we're oh. all on this journey. Um, no, I'm Charlie. I am a student at the University of Texas at Austin. A common theme. Yeah, and I have a pecan tree in my backyard. That's true. Oh I've eaten the pecans <laughs> off of said pecan tree. They're great. They're, yeah. They're excellent. You enjoy them too? They're fresh. Well, we have a fantastic show lined up. <laughs> I wanted to get Charlie on the show because when I was with him in Germany, I was like, man... Not only is this guy like the funniest dude I've ever met, but he's smarter than me too. And whenever I was around him, I was like, I can't make him laugh and I can't beat him in an argument. This sucks. Therefore, I got to get him on the show <laughs> so he can best us all. <laughs> Great way to set me up, too. I like that. I have a high bar I have to come to right now. Yep. That way I can bring you real low later. No, <laughs> well, uh, the theme of the show, as always, is beer drinking. And uh, we're not going to stop that right now. Mm. Thank goodness. Beer. Thank Hunter, goodness. I want you to intro the beer because you picked it out, and it <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. whenever well, it w- sounds something. Whenever I was auditioning, it's little, um, what would you call the bottom line where it says, ale brewed with this snap? What would you call that? It's tagline. It's tagline. I was given it an audition, and it's ale brewed with bog myrtle, whorehound, yarrow, wormwood, and with elderflowers added. Well, at least it says yarrow in it. Yeah, <laughs> yarrow. It's like this came out of freaking Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel like. I know. Yeah, when you when you read that out, I was like, "That's it," because I don't know what any of that means, basically. So, yeah. So we're hoping that we can get something a little different out of it. We we're we we're hoping that it'd be light. What is the uh, so ABV? yeah? Well, first of all, it's called uh, or it's from New Belgium, and it's called yes. Groot or Gruit. And it's from their Lips of Faith series. What, Charlie? What do you think the Lips of Faith series is? Ooh, I don't want to get into that. Can I make an <laughs> estimate? I'm going to make an estimated guess. Yeah. I think they're making a comment on maybe like the the consumers that they have and saying that we're trying these new beers and like the people that are going to try this have the lips of faith. That's because probably pretty spot on. Yeah. Could it be close? That was good. Okay. That's, I'm impressed. Yeah. That's the connection I made. I put two and two together. <laughs> and you got four. Yeah. But that's, that's the interesting thing, too, is because they give you all these ingredients down at the bottom. You have no idea. You just <laughs> right. have to go in with faith that they know what they're talking about. That's, you know? Yeah, okay. Eld- Elderflowers. Now, Charlie, we have been sipping. We've been pretending that we know beer for a while. Mm-hmm. So when you're gonna drink this beer right now, what are you bringing to the table as far as like how you're gonna taste it and like all that nonsense? Well, you plan on using my tongue. That's a good <laughs> place to start. Yeah, that is a good um, start. I don't know. I, I I like I like drinking beer too. Um, you're, I'm getting you're more just into now it. legal. So I I'm yeah. just I've had my oh, I had my first congrats. beer yeah, ever. Right. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I've just became 21 two weeks ago. That's and why we, that's why we waited until now to get you on the show, you know. I, I, I'm very appreciative. <laughs> we stay in line with um, iTunes's code of regulations. <laughs> Good. And, and they, all they US know. major laws. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Oh, I've read those many a time. So yeah, you are um, you like beer? I mean, you're a beer drinker? I'm a big 
beer drinker, yes. What's your favorite type of beer? We'll just we'll just make you a little beer profile for the audience right now. Hmm. I I love a pilsner. I gotta awesome. say, okay. Yeah. That's I, fair. Germany did that to us, man. Germany did that to us, and um, I'm dating someone, and she loves the Czech Republic, so everything's oh, Czech right now. Great. Yeah. I have a soft spot for Czech Republic. Well, yeah. they did have arguably the best beer of the whole trip. Yeah. So. Yeah. Chase had the worst time. Best beer and food, though. Best mm. beer and food, hands down. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Hands down. Hunter, have you tasted or tried the beer yet? I have. What do you What do you think? I like it. Okay. So what? it's um, I've got faith with my lips. Um, <laughs> I got lips on my faith. <laughs> <laughs> so when I tried it, um, I guess I got the. So, you know how there we've had a, a few beers in the past where like whenever you tr- whenever I try it, the only thing that I can really use to describe it is like a bubble gumminess. Yeah. It's like it's like starch almost. <laughs> a bubble gumminess. <laughs> yes, it's like yeah. it's like sweet and it's almost like <laughs> you know when you have double bubble and there's like that sugary powder kind of stuff that's yeah. like residue from mm. it. It's like that. It's almost like f- it's not flour. It's just like I don't know what it is, but it's sweet stuff. And it's in this, basically. And I don't know what it is, but I wish I could put a finger on it. Otherwise, there's a lot of like spices and stuff. Maybe that come it's into the it whorehound. Maybe it's the yarrow or <laughs> yeah. the or the wormwood, or it could be the elderflower. I just wanted to say, first of all, I can really smell the bog myrtle <laughs> in this. <laughs> if you're not smelling the bog myrtle, they did a problem. Yeah. Well, like, oh, yeah, okay. So I'm just saying that it's spicy, and I've had spices that taste similar before, but like there's also some stuff that's different to it, and I actually really like it from from what I've had just from the first sips. Yeah, so it's only 6.6 ABV, so it's super light, and the color is like yellow as sin, and it's super see-through, and it's super easy to drink, very light and refreshing, and I like it too, man. This is Mm -hmm. like a great just sipping beer. It has a short taste profile, as far as I feel like. It, like it enters and leaves your mouth sort of quickly. It doesn't stick around for really long. It makes me want to do yard work. Honestly, you know? good like, work. It's, yeah. good. It's, yeah. it's an outdoorsy beer. Like it's totally. light, but you just you, it's active though. Like, I think you nailed it. It's it like is a refreshing. Outdo- like you just got done what planting the shrubs, and they're like get a big swig and you keep going. Yeah, I was just planting my it. whorehound, exactly. and then I went in and put it right in my beer. Put in my Groot. My Groot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like. <laughs> I got him to laugh. As far as uh, <laughs> specific flavors, I'm struggling. Yeah, dude. It, that's what it I'm saying. seems like fruity, I yeah. guess. Let's let's pump the brakes on what we're going to assess the flavors on for mm-hmm. later. But it's so far, it's a pleasant experience for all of us. Yeah, we really like it so far. So thank you, uh, New, New Belgium. Belgium, so far. Yeah. Now the reason, the main reason that we have Charlie on the show is because we wanted to do a like a musical, or no, not a musical. We could do a musical, <laughs> <later>. <laughs> do a music themed episode. Yeah, where uh, we're gonna talk about like music news and then have like a music discussion towards the back half. Um, and Charlie's the perfect person for that because he is also a musician. Hunter, well, Hunter and Charlie do band stuff. Why don't you guys, you know, explain real quick? We've been known to interact on a musical level. Yeah, That's true. Mm-hmm. We've got a we've got a project that. Sort of is unofficially named right now, Fresh Pecans. Or Pecans. Or Pecans. or Separate you know, to the fans to decide. Fresh Pecans. Fresh Pecans. And so uh, basically I met Charlie through Chase because they went study abroad together. And, and then, he's a dope musician. Yeah, and he's a really, really good musician whenever we were just jamming kind of at our house. And I was like, let's let's do something musical, man. And then 
we so started we the pers- podcast. Yeah, we started pursuing the the music thing. We've done some stuff with some other musicians, and now, yeah, we just thought it'd be good to bring them on and talk talk music with them. And here we're gonna start. This is witty banter. All right. Uh, so for our first like news, uh, these I only have two news items, and they're kind of like in the same realm of discussion. Okay. So uh, we're gonna start with your favorite, Hunter Tom York. Yay. Here is a news item, and it reads: Tom York was the most legally downloaded artist on file sharing service BitTorrent in 2014. Hmm. I so, thought BitTorrent was like by default illegal. <laughs> yeah. So this is what's interesting, right? Now, if you remember when his newest uh, album came out, his solo album this last year, Tomorrow's he released Modern it boxes. on like you know iTunes and all that stuff, and they also put it on BitTorrent. Correct. Well, apparently they, excuse me, they were trying like a new pay model with Bit- BitTorrent. This mm-hmm. is an experiment, and it's mm-hmm. called like a paygate. And essentially, you would go to BitTorrent and download a... You would get a free song and a free video. And after after you downloaded that, you could have an option to pay six more dollars to get the rest of the album, hmm. which is like largely less expensive than what you pay for like on iTunes and all that. Oh, yeah. And uh, apparently, it was a ratcheting success. Really? So, what do you, I mean, the theme of this whole discussion is going to be like illegally downloaded music and mm-hmm. how artists are affected by it. And when when Tom York's like, I'm going to give my, you know, to think about with, with uh, In Rainbows, like I'm going to mm. give this album away for free because we're saying, we're sticking it to the man. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that as a message? And do you think that's like really even possible for people who aren't as insanely famous as they are you know yeah that's been a big caveat of mine you know like i am a big backer of tom york but i don't know if most people can do what he does just because you know they're not tom york he's got the name behind (laughs) him too didn't he also like release an app too last year as part of the publicity yeah Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was a bizarre app I remember my friend got it. You could, like, what, affect how long certain parts of songs were or something and, yeah, like, like, mess you could, around with You them. walked through, like, this ambient, nebulous world, too, like, if you, depending on how you angled your phone. It Weird. was, yeah, it was, it, it felt it like a cool, Tom though. York song. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, how do you feel about, like, people downloading any sort of music illegally and that you know there's there's two sides of the camp with new bands where they're like go ahead and do it i don't care as long as as long as people are listening to us mm-hmm. go for it but not seeing any money from it you know i don't know for me it just seems like it it just there's sort of like a flip of the coin that or a flip of the switch that happens it's like once you, when you're not known and you don't have a following like you don't care if your stuff is downloaded it illegally or for free or you just want people to listen to your stuff you know like but i, I don't know if that's necessarily like you want to get popular and you do want to get popular but you also want to like support yourself too like any musician out there mm-hmm. is doing music because they want to do it but they also want to eat right know? but it's but it's kind of the idea that like any publicity is good publicity mm. it's like even if they're illegally downloading music like and the proceeds aren't directly going to you they are in a, in a way like indirectly building this you know this interaction with you yeah that that you know whether it was through legal means or not it's still 
being built and it might contribute to a future transaction or exchange between y'all, whether it be like you going to their show or you supporting them in another album that they got. So I feel like it's like a bigger, I think it's a bigger problem when you're, when you're already bigger and like you've earned your following and you're like, I am putting this out as a product and I'm a professional and like, it's bullshit that people are going to try and scam me on my profe- on my professional product. But then I don't know, like if I, if I'm in my shoes and like, I don't care. Like if somebody's like, doesn't go directly through SoundCloud to get all my stuff, they just like, you know, Oh geez. They just like, you know, download whatever I have illegally. I don't really care, you know, but I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Cause then you have to ask yourself is music inherently a product? Cause it can be like, it all, I think it comes back to the mindset of the person creating it. Because I'm sure there are people out there saying, well, I know there are people out there saying, this, this is what sounds good and this is what sells. Like, this is money that I'm yeah. trying to make. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm making Call Me Maybe, mm-hmm. not because I want to make the next most influential pop song ever. I'm making it's a pop sustain song to you. make money. Yeah. Exactly. It's a product. And so, yeah. So, I think it comes back to artists' intent. And I think it can be offensive if someone says, I put in a lot of effort into, I mean, it could be it could be a shitty song, it could be a great song, whatever it is. I put in a lot of money, effort, and resources into this to make money. I'm well, making something that make, gives you enjoyment. I deserve reimbursement. Let's flesh out the conversation a little bit more, sticking with that like offensive side of it. Mm. Um, I want to talk about how Taylor Swift took all of her songs off of Spotify recently. And Spotify, seems like that's happening more and more. Yeah, I was gonna say Spotify has been getting like a lot of flack. It seems because artists say that they're not getting paid enough for um, like having their songs on there. Hmm. So uh, Taylor Swift took off all of her songs and claimed that she only, out of like however mil- many millions of plays on her music, she only got like five hundred thousand dollars in comp- compensation. Mm-hmm. And when you when it comes down to like a base value they're getting like a fraction of a penny per song play mm-hmm. um and spotify says it pays 70 percent of its revenues to labels which would amount to about a billion dollars this year but artists still say that they're not getting enough they're getting only a fraction of a cent per yeah, play it's going well, to the labels <laughs> yeah well that guy also the the ceo came out with a whole public letter i, I don't know if you saw it but he was like what it comes down to is it's two numbers. It was, I think the figure he listed was $2 billion and zero. $2 billion since Spotify started has gone to the label. That's how they have to operate going through it. And he says that's a problem. We have to work on that. But if it's not on Spotify, so they're going to download it illegally. Spot, I'm I'm happy paying the 5 or $10, depending on if you're a student, for Spotify. What if you don't pay at all, though? What if you just listen to Spotify on your computer for free? Well, they still they still make the money, because it, it, if they're not getting it from me directly with the $5, they're making it from the advertisements. Mm. That's true. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it, it still sounds like even the artists still aren't even happy about that. And there's plenty of other examples of the uh, people who haven't even given their music to Spotify because they still feel like that's unfair. Mm-hmm. So it feels to me like the music industry is in this weird, like flux, like this weird, like it's not one of those transitionary things transition we were talking phase, about. Yeah. I think me and Charlie were kind of before we got, before you met up with us, Chase, we, uh, we were talking about how just right now being alive, we're in this like transitional period of just all these different kind of processes happening. I think totally the, the, the music industry is one of them for sure. The music. Ind- it's basically every art has to rethink how it's distribution. The though. Exactly. Digestion. Yeah. And distribution is the, is the thing. Yeah. And it's a proliferation too because now anyone can go on and make 
music with your key. If you have mm-hmm. a laptop and an instrument, you can produce whatever you want. You yeah. can do anything. Yeah. And it's just how you're reaching the market now and what your mindset is. Well, mm-hmm. let's just get in our, our armchairs in and like, where do you think the music industry should go to, to satiate the people who need to be compensated while balancing the just open access that the internet gives, you know? I, it's weird because I don't know if there is necessarily a should. I think there's just going to be a what's going to happen. Uh-huh. And in my mind, what is going to happen is, and I think it's the same thing happening basically across all art forms, is that there's always going to be a need for that centralized agency, a record label or a movie producer that's going to have to m- make something big, budget, big mm-hmm. anything, have the means of distributing things. But at the same time, there's a big wave of people coming up from the bottom that are producing yes. their own stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, Patton Oswalt does this perfectly with comedy, even, like another field, is that what most of these people produce are, is just garbage. It's yeah, just sure. flat-out garbage. Mm-hmm. Some of it's okay, right. and like a small fraction of the top is good. Sure. Mm-hmm. And what he said, which I think is spot-on, is what the record labels understand is that it's basically the same proportions what they put out. Most of what the record labels put out is garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of it's good, and then a small percent of it is great. So they're so, not doing a good job with distributing their funds in a way that capitalizes on the best musicians and best projects, basically. Well, they're they're moving their resources and make the most money for themselves, which I'm not saying is a problem necessarily. Which is a divergence it's, from quality art, yeah. But it, it's it's also always been that way. Like they're always gonna. Like, that's the mindset behind the Beatles. It's the mindset behind every. Even jazz. Even mm-hmm. jazz was. It's all. It all comes back to money when it comes to those big labels. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, you'll have an artist somehow become famous just for their pure love of producing the music, and they're mm-hmm. outside the realm of money. Yeah. But even then, it's like those are so few and far between. <laughs> Can you even count on them being good at all? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't or do- if they're good, you can't even count on listening to them because it might not reach any larger audience i'm surprised that there hasn't been like a bigger sort of effort to build a community for musicians online like i feel like there are a lot of websites like soundcloud and like stuff where people can go but those are just like kind of watering holes where people can go to meet and kind of like dig into just things that people have made but like i'm surprised that there's almost not like a kickstarter for music where there's like places where bands go that like aren't recognized and they haven't you know they can't have like people fund them just through their efforts and like showing people in a very you know uh, doesn't sound transparent way huh i'm I'm not too well versed but isn't that kind of the mindset behind soundcloud like you can put whatever you want out there and then like have a link to your album or like pay for whatever you want what you like i don't think you can pay through soundcloud but couldn't you go through like a secondary they could probably like you could probably post a link to your website and yeah it'll like take you where you need to go or whatever but which is like i've definitely i've definitely done like i've seen my friend will send me a link check out this band and right underneath is the link Uh to the thing saying pay what you like or this is five bucks i think soundcloud is probably the closest that we have to what i'm describing but yeah. even soundcloud is pretty whack like dude on your phone the phone app for soundcloud it freaking sucks i, like, I don't have it like i just want to go i just want to go to my tracks and like see where my tracks are and i have to go through like eight menus just to get there and it's like that should be literally just the main page <laughs> what soundcloud is I, have, um, I i guess i have the spotify app on my phone and it's the best thing I've ever... It is, I think, the 
best invention Spotify. of the apps. The Spotify app. I, I can't have, stand that app, man. Really? I think I hate the advertisements. Well, it's not even a, like there's that, but just the way it's set up. I think it's very unintuitive. Like they they change it every like three weeks, like or so. Like see? the way it yeah. that's how it gets on me. Anyway, but the the fact that I can go down the street and listen to anything I want to, I can listen to Freewheeling Bob Dylan or The Wiggles Save Christmas, <laughs> like wow. whenever I want to, and everything in between, everything in between. And I, the only thing I guess I can't listen to is Taylor Swift, but I'm I'm fine living without that. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you don't feel like, do you ever feel guilty, you know, not for Spotify, but maybe for, like, any sort of way that, I mean, do you ever feel guilty that the people you listen to aren't being compensated? I guess we can use Spotify as an example, like, getting to listen to all this stuff for $5, like, do you really think that your $5 is enough to get these people what you th- they, like, I guess what they deserve, or... I guess you have to assume that they're not getting it at that but point. But, like, how can but we quantify what people deserve exactly. for an art, you know? Yeah. It's an art. It's very true. And it's like, I would definitely play, pay more money to listen to an album. Like, I could rank how much I'd pay for a certain mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. But at the at the end of the day, it's like, if you're going to draw a line, anything is arbitrary. Everything you say this is worth is arbitrary. And the fact is, a lot of these times, these artists that are saying, oh, we're getting underpaid or whatnot, most of the time I'm kind of like, boo-hoo. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> adapt. If it's, a, if it's an up-and-coming band, I will... Most likely pay for their for their their music or That's try what I'm find some way to support them. If I'm listening to them a lot, which I I do to a lot of the young but like low ones, and it's usually five bucks on their website. Yeah, and I can part with that because money means more when you're early on. But so does popularity, I guess. Like yeah, if you, so like when you're when you're deeper into your career and you have popularity, like. You don't really care. I guess you care more about the money, less about the popularity. I don't know. I don't so know. I keep here, like kind of backing over on myself. Here's something that kind of what I find a problem is I don't think there's a real good way to almost demo music, if that makes any sense. Like if someone says, you need to check this album out, it's amazing. Or if let's say I'm in a, a state of searching where I'm super into this style of music and I want to hear more like it, but I don't know who to listen to. The only way to do it legally is to just buy albums and listen to them. But what if I hate it? You know. See, I, I that's what I love about Spotify. I think that's exactly the. I think that fixes the problem. Is and I hate really. I rarely ever plug products. I don't like doing it. <laughs> but for some reason, like Spotify is so great. Like my roommates and I have the whole playlist on Spotify. It's collaborative, so we can all add to it. Yeah. And it's music you have. Not, we know that you guys haven't heard. It's cool though. Check it. I've right. discovered we have like eighty three songs on there, and I've those are public, right? There, it's all yeah. public. You can you can add to it. Anyone can add to it, and it's just a way of finding. Because, like new you music. said, once you find the new music, and let's say, whatever, how many, however many of your plays on this band got them like a dollar, but then you'll go out and like, well, I'll go buy their record for twenty because I like them, you mm-hmm. know, and that's yeah. how you support, you know. I've I have I have done that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the mentality I have is is like I'll try now, and if I like it, I'll I will go out of my way to buy the premium mm. version of whatever you got. Yeah, you know? and and Tom York's BitTorrent, whatever experiment, kind of speaks to that. I mean, the demoing idea. Yeah, here's a song in a in a video. Yeah, and it's like it's like this is what we choose for you to listen to for free, and if you don't think that that's what 
you're about, then you're probably not going to be around the rest of it almost. But that's kind of tough because then you're like singling out, you know, the single bit of your artwork and being like, I hope you like that, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I hope that that'll tug you in enough to pay for the rest almost. Like, I, I don't dislike that though. I think there's like something to it too. It's like, Every artist has a thing of a way of roping people in because of all the music. Even having a name like Tommy York sometimes isn't enough to like <laughs> get people in and get yeah. them paying for your your stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's all about using your imagination. Whatever you can do, whoever is the smartest about their marketing, because mm-hmm. it is just marketing at that point, yeah. is going to win out. You could have an amazing album but not know how to sell it. And granted, I have no idea how that is. I do and not know how to sell anything. It kills me, dude. Yeah. Um, but if you know how to market it, reach an audience, proliferate anything you have, mm. that's how you're going to – Yeah, take your, that's how you make money. Populate. Sure. Populate it, dude. <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's just go ahead and cut that one there. But we can continue on in this same little segment, but we'll, we'll lead off this next part with an email. It's, it's, it's Mail Corner! Corner. Uh, that we got from Max Scott, our, our good buddy. Oh, man, our bestie. So it's a bit of a long one, but I think, he, you know, I'm going to go ahead and read through it. Okay. So bear with me here. No paragraphs. So he says, hey, dingalings, <laughs> when I think of different decades, I feel like I'm usually able to pinpoint a certain sound or style that defines that era in music. Mm-hmm. However, I feel as though current music, while not at all bad, it does not seem to be defining any sort of new sound to represent the current decade. Instead, I feel as though modern music is more of a literal build on music from past decades without taking any real steps forward in the progression of music and creativity. He says, I find myself bored and craving something groundbreaking. He says, I understand being influenced by past musicians, but they're not doing new modern musicians now are not doing anything to build their own unique styles in modern band. Would you agree with this statement? Yes or no? Hmm. Oh, well. I mean, me. <laughs> sure. Is, it, is this my you turn can, of the you circle? Can, you can go first. You yeah. can. Yes and no. I think it's, I think it's fascinating how pop music, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's so interesting to see how it's harkening back to older sounds, like mm-hmm. the whole blurred lines Marvin Gaye controversy, and um, there's so many examples of like you can look at a song today, like all about that bass, and say, "Wow, this is a direct." copy of the R&B sound of the 1960s or whatnot, and you can see where it's drawing its influence on. Mm-hmm. And He's, Yeah, and it sounds like Max is listing that as a negative. I, I think it's impossible to get away from, and, and I, don't th- you know, I don't think it necessarily is a negative. Like, I, I, I think it's, like you're saying, it's kind of like impossible to get away from like, roots of music, you know? And, and to kind of be bored and say, like, I want something groundbreaking, like, that doesn't happen often, you and know? I, and I think that as we go forward, that's going to happen less and less. I think that, like, the reason why things, everything from the 1700s all the way up until the mid-70s, the reason why things were groundbreaking were because we didn't have a wealth of stuff before then. So when something was groundbreaking, it was because it was different than everything else that had been done before but now it's like everything is being done i still think that there is groundbreaking things being done today but it's just the margin is just a lot smaller you it know used it used to be like country western rock and roll yeah jazz and like yeah you had great people in those fields but it wasn't and now today you have like 83 different kinds of punk you know <laughs> right, everything yeah. has a label yeah and so it's so hard to become 
gra- quote unquote groundbreaking. It's getting to the point where almost nothing has a label because yeah. putting a band sh- like Alt J, how do yeah, you how, how do you label or them? even Radiohead? I hate saying yeah. that, but it's like I every time I try and put a genre, they on were them, definitely a movement. You know, it was it, putting a genre on them just feels sinful. It's like blasphemous. It's like oh, they're rock. <laughs> oh, they're alternative <laughs> new age alternative. <laughs> You know what was that? I remember the other night you said that like what Shakespeare has these how many however many hundreds of plays and only one of them is an original story. Shakespeare has thirty eight plays. The only one that they think is in a completely original story is one. Love's Labor's Lost. How, but, how uh, famous but, is that one in comparison to the other ones? Not. Very, it's it's growing back like in the last hundred years, but for a long time everyone was saying, "Wow, these Joe like it's all." Based off puns that no one like really gets unless you know what he's talking <laughs> That's about. That's awesome. They're old puns. They're funny. A lot of them are dick jokes, and but just very round roundabout. <laughs> <those. laughs> oh, That's great. Oh, it, Bill Shakespeare. My one advice to any reader Bill. who loves dick jokes: Shakespeare <laughs> is full of them. The Hamlet we just saw the other day on campus. Tons of dick jokes. Really? Fart wow. jokes, dick jokes. <laughs> he was selling tickets back then. <laughs> But let's but let's yeah. use that example though of him not having almost no original plays, but still be considering a masterpiece. Where mm-hmm. here we're talking about music that's not an original, not original, and whether or not it's boring or if we need something new. I th- yeah. I think the idea of originality in music and the idea of quote unquote groundbreaking stuff is a little overplayed. Because mm-hmm. if I'm looking back at the gr- some of the great people I view as the greatest musicians mm-hmm. of our age, Bob Dylan first one, Woody Guthrie complete like. Direct extension, you can see it right mm. from there to there. Led Zeppelin, their yeah. whole their whole mm. first out al- their whole first album is blues covers, blues covers yeah. that they stole, but all blues covers. Right. See, that's what doesn't bother me. Well, here's I mean, here's just the the battle I have in my own head though, for sure. Mm. Is like when I hear something, and we'll, we'll use blues because that's where my historical knowledge is. It's like when I hear something now that plays back to blues of like the 30s or the 40s, and I even hear like a riff from back then or a lyric like mm-hmm. that's enough for me to be like hell yes so drawing that line between it being like oh i've heard it before and it being like thank you for respecting yeah. what i respect mm. is definitely a funny line yeah because i i was thinking about this in my car today um the way i look at music is like everybody has we like to talk about music in ways that kind of align with each other and ways that overlap and coincide. But I think I kind of look at music as like everybody just has a little collection of understandings and just workings that build upon how they view and interpret what music is and what music should be. And I think that like the things that make something groundbreaking isn't whether or not it's super original. And it kind of goes back to like that avatar movie concept we were talking about. Like, I don't think Avatar was great because it was such an original plot or anything. I just thought it was really well done. And I feel like you could you could get senses about it that weren't necessarily just from like originality or it being groundbreaking or whatever. Like I could listen to a song. I could listen to a classical piece uh by Chopin and it will be the same piece and the same, you know, musical literature, but two people are playing it, and I will like one much more than I will like the other one. Absolutely. And I, I think that that kind of plays into the idea that, like, stealing is kind of stupid. 
you know because yeah, so much of too. so much of the delivery of music is like feeling the expressionism and feeling that person through their music and that's what people get connected to it's not the song it's the it's the delivery of the song you know yeah and i'm someone who gets attached to the people behind music once i like get if i get a little into them mm-hmm. then i learn about them and if i like them that'll get even deeper into it yeah and i think you know preference can't be overstated here either where you can have a band that let's uh, their their drummer is doing beats that probably have been done before but maybe mm. they're highlighted in the music a little bit more mm-hmm. and just because they stand out in the music a little bit more you think that this drummer is like the new hot shit mm-hmm. when someone else who doesn't like drums and they're highlighting drums in the song aren't going to like the music you yeah. know and and i think preference can it like it gets muddled here where someone points to like you have to listen to these guys because they're doing something so effing different mm-hmm. and I'm telling you that because I'm listening to their lyrics and you don't give a shit about lyrics yeah you know? right mm-hmm. right no and I think to that too to an extent also it's like something can't be totally unoriginal to be great like there has to be some human element mm-hmm. I like that idea there has to be yeah something. It has to original. draw from something. Exactly, it has to draw from something, but it can't also like, it can't not, it can't be disconnected from yeah. its surroundings. Because if it totally, if something is so absolutely disconnected from the music, you have nothing to relate to. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. Like, there's a lot of experimental music out there, and I mean, some of it's really good, but a lot of it's just crap because they're just stretching to defy. Music and defy all influence to not be what music it, is. Yeah, kinda, it's just becoming know. arbitrary. In a yeah. Way. yeah, which it, but I mean, whenever they even defy, try to defy, quote unquote, defy music, it's like they're still using music as a basis of what they're trying to defy. Yeah. In the first place. <laughs> and so I think, I think there are bands out there today that are unbelievably original, and some of them are great, some of them are meh, and most of them are crappy. Like right. it's the same so breakdown. Originality doesn't equate to quality. Basically. Not I exa- exactly. I think I think that is a is a common point it, that we kind of share. Exactly. But I mean, you know, for instance, I think that Bjork is a groundbreaking artist because, dude, I think anyone that would just do thirty minutes worth of research on Bjork and her biophilia project would be freaking impressed and would want to go listen to it. Yeah. No. It it is. It's but. And that's also a perfect example of preference, too. You know? Yeah. Well, it's preference, but it's like... No, no, I mean, like, my preferences is what bars me from enjoying yes. her originality. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but I don't... I, I'm not saying that she's groundbreaking because I think she's so original. I think her originality plays largely into how groundbreaking she is, but I think it's just the effort. I mean, it's... It's that idea that the delivery is such a big part of the connection with or the interaction between the people playing the music and the people receiving the music. And she expresses herself in such a way that's it's palpable, you know. So do you think maybe originality now can look like rather rather than it being new instruments, new sounds, new riffs and all that, it's maybe new forms of production or new ways of thought about approaching a new piece of music. New like methodologies, yeah. Maybe everything surrounding the actual sound rather than the sound itself. Yeah, going back to the idea that we're all just little collections of of knowledge and pools of knowledge and different little things. I mean like even just the way that we put our podcast together, you know, it's like we use a very specific audio interface and a very specific computer to record it into. And like all those little things like affect 
the delivery of what the product is. And like, if you like it, then you like it. And if you don't, you don't, you know, I don't know. And I think that's interesting because a podcast, I think is one of the most direct ways of getting to the originality of the individual producing it. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it's just yeah. two guys talking, talking about whatever they want to, but they're necessarily two unique people that yeah. don't, like, with music, you can be like, well, they're both playing guitar, maybe differently, yeah. but they're both playing guitar. This one is kind of a more direct access to, like, I don't know, the humanity of it, I want to mm-hmm. say. The humanity. <laughs> the humanity. Oh, the humanity. So, I mean, do you agree with Max, though, that our uh, current generation of music doesn't have a specific sound? Or do you think maybe because we're in our own generation that we don't know what it is, and 10 years from now we'll be able to look back on it and know? Because I think that's what it is. I mean, I think culture in general, I'll use the pretty well-used analogy, is a fishbowl, and you don't know you're in the bowl until you leave it. Wow. Yeah, no, okay. it's true. And, and that's, that's honestly how I feel about how just how music is going to feel to us. You got to wait because, I mean, I'm sure in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, everyone in there was saying, we have such crappy music. Why yeah. can't we have the music mm-hmm. that the generation before had? Mm-hmm. And all you need is time to see what gets sifted out mm-hmm. because there was, I, there was shitty music in the 70s. There was shitty music in the 60s. There's always been shitty music. <laughs> but it's whatever survives the test of time and that can be a huge collection of music yeah but whatever survives the test of time is what you're gonna that one generation is gonna be remembered by and i personally think that this is one of the best eras of, of music i love i've studied music i love it but this era i just, I'm just so into it it's so groundbreaking i think due to just the diversity of it all and production ability and distribution abilities and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's just I'm, never I been know, a better I'm time sad- to be a musician. I'm saddened by the fact that I know that there's countless amazing bands. Yeah, that, that we I haven't heard. Ne- yeah. I will never hear. Yeah, I know that I will never hear of. But that's exciting band. as well, though. Too. Yeah, there's always, hey, they're out there. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick, and then. Let's start the next portion of the show kind of going into what you're talking about. And let's start talking about what we think is – let's start – I mean, we talk about rating things and all that. We'll have a, okay. another discussion after the end of this. Cool. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right. This is Witty Banter. Don't forget to follow us at Witty Banter Show on Twitter and shoot an email over to wittybantershow at gmail.com. And we're back. Yeah. It's Witty Banner time. We've been sipping on this beer a little while. Yeah. Hunter, what do you think? This is good, man. This is uh, good beer. This is a good beer. Mm-hmm. Got that. Nice and gruddy. You got that cornbread. You want some hot <laughs> beer? Some, some of that cornbread. You ain't uh, got so cornbread. It's good, man. I actually think that a lot of the beers that we bring on this show... Um, whenever we first get them like right from the place that we bought them and we we pop them open and they're cold we kind of wait to where they open up before we can really get a good sense of it yeah i actually thought that this one was an 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 alternative to that where we i think when i opened it up and had my first sip of it i was like dang this is really good and it hasn't really changed I, i i still think it's very good i don't think it opening up or getting warmer has really like affected it in a positive way or anything so a lot of the original kind of understandings that I have still exist. You know, I, it's spicy, it's light, 
Uh, it seems like an outdoorsy kind of beer. It seems like a great thing to have a good conversation over. Quite sessionable, we might say, if we're on uh, if we're on banter <laughs> on banter terms. Charlie, what do you think? Yeah. So. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it, it's weird. I've just noticed, like, I'm almost, I'm pretty much done with my bottle, but usually <laughs> when I <laughs> usually when I'm done, I towards the bottom of my beer, I'm like, all right, I've got a feeling for this beer. You know, I'm 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 over it. I'm just I'm drinking it for like. Necessarily the flavor anymore. I just yeah, I, I I'm like drinking it. it yeah. I'm drinking it. It's great. I'm not like analyzing it, but this beer it kind of it keeps me guessing. Like I it's can't, intriguing. I, it is. It's an intriguing beer. Mm, it yeah. ropes you in, and it kind of like it kind of makes you think about how do I like is am I decreasing my marginal utility? Yeah. <laughs> I I super enjoy it. I'm that right there with you guys. I just love how drinkable it is and how refreshing it is. Like it's light. It's this, the gruit. It is super <laughs> gruit. Uh, just to try to throw some flavor, okay. Pro- Please, some yeah. notes on it. So I think Bog it myrtle. smells very floral. Yeah, you know, I don't really know what freaking elderflower, whorehound, and it's, wormwood. It's elderflower. Like. elderflower. It's <laughs> <laughs> but it has a, a floral characteristic to me. Yeah, and in the mouth flavors and the mouth feel and all that, it has. It almost feels like a sour ale. Even though it's not, it doesn't advertise itself as so, there is like this funny tang to it. But it's very underwhelming, I'd say. Yeah, well, not underwhelming it's in like a negative a aspect. Not in a negative way. It's yeah. subtle. It's super subtle. subtle. It's yes. nuanced. 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 So, yeah, I, the it's almost got a grassiness to it, to me. You know, grassroots, grassroots beer. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stick. I'll, I'm gonna be thinking about those. And I'll try to expand later. Still got a little time to give our ratings. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for this next little portion, Hunter, you wanted to go ahead and just wrap up a solid answer to Max's question, and then lead us into the next thing. I did. Yeah. And so Max, speaking to your question about whether or not there is like a specific sound to like our generation or to our decade or whatever, I feel like for some reason it, it kind of worked out to where like since the since. At the millennium, turn of the millennium, we had like the, the growth of the internet and like the worldwide globalization kind of movement. I feel like everything before then was kind of grouped off in decades where we could kind of look to the 70s and be like disco and, and, and look to the 60s and be like groovy or whatever. But then groovy. with the explosion of, you know, the internet and with distribution going that way, I don't think that it's necessarily as much like specific sounds as it is trends. I just feel like there are things that. Uh, kind of go in and out for music that harken back to either things that are earlier or things that are original. Um, And I think that most of our perceptions are going to be on how things trended as opposed to how they, you know, were separate from the 70s or the 80s. You know, I mean, it's it's not going to be divided in that same way. But I think that that kind of speaks to what Charlie's talking about as, you know, being a musician right now because... um, we're in we're in a we're in a time where we're not classified by some s- silly genre. You know, there's not one genre like disco that classifies our whole decade. I mean, everyone looks back on the 2000s and the 2010s, or I guess we would call them, and and they have their Nuts. own specific appear their their own specific perception of what that sound was. Everybody does. So I think now is a great time to be an artist in. You know this day and age because we're not we're not personified by a specific sound or anything. We're just personified by kind of trends and movements of music. You know. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. <clears throat> I think it's um, it's a time because if you also look back, it's like we like to generalize. Like just as mm-hmm. a people, we like to say the '70s was 
disco and like the high point of rock and roll because we got Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But you also forget that during that time, it was a big time, you know, there's jazz music coming out and experimenting with itself. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, there's folk music. And it's just what we kind of, was what sifted through later is what we really get a picture of. Yeah. And so I think to say that we have nothing groundbreaking I don't think that's true because I don't just don't think we have anything to base it off of yet. We don't a lot know of what's credit in- to the to before almost like. exactly. We don't know what the music of today is going to influence later. Ne- later, exactly. Yeah. So I think we could be witnessing groundbreaking music today that we're just not aware of. I don't know mm. of a time when people said this is groundbreaking and emphatically <laughs> like meant it. Like, in the moment. Like, in the moment. Because they might say, this is amazing folk music. This is the best rock and roll I've ever heard. But they're still saying, I can totally see where this has its influence. I right. can totally see. This might be, like, next-level stuff, but it's very closely related to everything around it. Yeah. But then, as time progresses, we look back and we're like, wow, we can see how much Led Zeppelin influenced a whole other branch of music. It, like Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix and Led Zeppelin made like de- death metal. You can draw the link. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's a. Yep. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, metal came from Zeppelin. Absolutely. No, it's so true. Yep. And I mean, but they're all they're part of a long narrative. And so to say that we don't have anything here is because we don't see what's in front of the narrative. We're in the fishbowl. Exactly. Yeah. We're in the we're in, the fishbowl. we're in the fishbowl. Two lost souls Two. in a fishbowl. <laughs> year after year, baby. We should write that down. Yeah. <laughs> That's deep. That's good shit, man. Okay. Uh, did you have a question to launch us off, or did you want me to do that? Uh, you mean for, like, the top the top, the top, segment? No, I mean, I just wanted to expand real quick. Charlie, you said that you think right now is the best time for music ever. Like okay. You're just Absolutely. In a, you're just in a cornucopia playground of greatness. Like, I just want to get why is that, and I know it's – you probably have all these different. It's such a big feeling to be like happy with where you're at that it's gonna hard be hard to get to like a kernel. But let's yeah. just start somewhere and we'll work our way out. Let's work for it, you know. Well, all right. So one of the reasons why I think we're in the best place musically, just anyway, if you're a consumer, producer, whatnot, one of the first reasons why you're in the best place is because you have everything to look back on. You're at the furthest part of music history right now, and you literally have everything that's behind you. At your at your fingertips, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's I think number one why it's the best. Uh, number two, even though I definitely think that there are, will probably never be a lyricist as good as you know Bob Dylan was between the sixties and like in the sixties era. Mm-hmm. I think we have so much music coming out today that's influenced by lyricists like Bob Dylan, Patti Smith, etc. Neil Peart. Neil. <laughs> Exactly. Whatever you want. I think we're just living in such a great time for music because all of the influences are coming out. And it's so – we're getting to a point where labels are just becoming so nebulous. There was a yeah, time when, like, punk labels. was punk. Like, that's punk music. That is discernibly punk. But now we're getting to a point, like, you, you, Jack White. Let's just put that example out there. Jack White, he's a guy that's like, is he blues? Is he rock? Is he rap? Is he country? Is he country? pop? There's no like, like he has some pop like things the, that are could be considered pop seven, too. Yeah, it's he has pop tunes out there for sure. And so I think what I'm looking forward to is a time when like we have just big kind of generalizations, but not like because labels need to change. They just have to. It's so difficult to put your thumb on anything nowadays. Yeah, and I think that's a great sign. 
because the best music, the most change, like the music we look back to is the ones that are able to harness and come into like and a realization that you have to borrow from everything. You have to mm-hmm. take in everything and produce it. Led Zeppelin was the same way. Mm-hmm. They have country songs. Rolling Stones sang a better country song than any American I know. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are still blues and rock and jazz and progressive and all these different things into one. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're in an age right now where that's becoming more the norm. When it's easier for a band to say, "We're not just a punk band. We're punk blues." bluegrass, etc. Whatever we want to be. Exactly. We're just producing music because we have such a wide array of influences. And I see it so often in the music that I hear that comes out. And pop music's always going to suck. It's just it's just a fact <laughs> of life. There might be a good pop song. Yeah, I was going to say, come on now. Like There it, might be one it, or two. There's something to be said about a song getting stuck in your head because that's not easy to do. Catchiness, yes. No, it's not It's not easy to do at all. And it's, it's, it's I mean, there's a certain level of artistry to it. But I'm talking about if you're looking at like. It's sort of manipulation too. And though. I don't want to sit here and accidentally be right, the one to Right, right. Yeah, music, right, yeah. <laughs> but I can, I can kind of speak to your point about like, you know, punk used to be punk and now it's like, what is punk now? Last night, you know, I played a show, and the guys that played on before us, I'd never heard before, but they are kind of like commonly in accordance with our band, I guess, for the the guy who is the leader of our band. Uh, They're called Toast Party, and it's a three-piece. And the guy in front, uh, the front man, was playing guitar. He's a skinny guy, a skinny white guy. He just looks like a punk punk guy. The bassist is like some tall, kind of. He looks kind of like fratty dude, you know. And then like the drummer seems cool, but. It was like this fun, feely music with like a punk singer at the front that you weren't afraid to sing out loud because it was fun, but it was just weird to see how they, like, I had never heard punk be put on top of stuff that like, usually whenever I hear a punk singer, I'm like, that's kind of like the weaker part of the music, but that was like what made that music interesting for me in that sense. It was the combination. Yes, it was the difference. Also talking about how you can go back now and and listen to anything is super, allows you to have those moments of of hearing your, the, the roots and things though. Like you're now allowed to go back and listen to different types of punk music and learn about why they are the way they are. And then when you get there to last night, you're like, holy shit, this guy's an extension of the crap that I used to love yes. or something. You know? Yeah, or absolutely. And like, you can see like a guy, like there's a whole trial, like I don't even know where I really stand on the whole, like there's a blurred lines Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Did you see how like they got sued because they thought they ripped off Marvin Gaye. And then maybe they did, maybe they deserve it. They earned the money. But it's just such a weird line because it's, they're just part of a narrative. It's a blurred line. It's yeah. a blurred line. <laughs> I think you bringing up a narrative is such a good way to put it because that's honestly how I look at music is when I hear somebody um, like Jack White playing literally a riff that's in a Robert Johnson song and I'm just like, thank you for carrying the torch, dude. You know, Thank you for being a part of the narrative. Or singing a Robert Johnson song. Singing a like, Robert yeah. Johnson song where like, now when history books are being written again about blues music, he's going to be the, the latest chapter. You know, And that's the thing. It's like the best part of a book is usually like the furthest part you can go, at least in my opinion, because you have this whole... You're, Everything's you're, it's informing developing. That. Yeah, And the thing is... Rock and roll and mu- like music in a mass sense of the word, where it is now, is so new. Like, if you really think about it, 60 years ago, we had the earliest rock and roll yeah. music hitting a mass market. 60 years ago is nothing. It's Can true. you imagine where we're going to be in another 60 years? Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, I, I, I don't, I can't imagine 
that we've hit a wall here. Because I like that we're harkening back, like hitting these old R&B type feels and grooves. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually think that's good. I think it's a good place for pop music to be. If it's going to be anywhere. It's, I agree, it's, yeah. It's, it's got a groove. It's got a funk. It's great. But there's there's nowhere to go but up. It's so new. And the way, and the way these genres are meshing more and more, and the lines are becoming much more unclear. Mm-hmm. I think we're at the best point in music, and I have a lot of confidence as we move forward that music is, and it's hard to say better or worse. I, I, I really actually don't like using those words in music. Yeah, they're very finite. It's, it's finite, and it's like, it's hard to assess. I mean, sometimes it's easy to assess music as good or bad, but <laughs> it's all about taste. Yeah, it really is. I mean, But I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes, and I think the more excited you are about the music, the better it is for you and the more you're engaged with it. Yeah. And so giving up, I think, is... Or, like, saying that no good music's going to come out or no original music's going to come out is fatalistic. And I think it takes you out of the experience of listening. Like, just taking music for what it is as something new and old at the same time. Yeah, sure. I music's like an accumulation and a, a creation. It's you know? totally... It's, it's exactly... That's exactly what it is. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's quickly do a little musical-themed, what would you call it, a top three, I guess? Yeah, I'd call it a top three. My number three is definitely Goku's hair. I think my number two's got to be Hyperbeam. My number one is without a doubt Witty, Witty Banter. Banter. The top three. Top three. Top three. Witty threes. <laughs> Hunter, go ahead and pose your question. Okay, so my prompt, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be kind of short-winded, hopefully, about it. Um, basically, the way I'll put it is, like, what do you think are the three in the career of influence in music that you've had, the, the things that have accumulated? Like, on a personal level? Yeah, on a personal level for each of us. What has... What is what what has made the light bulb go off for you? And it could be I'm I'm calling them waves of music. It it could be even just the first time that you listened to an album, or the first time that you saw this guy perform that made you want to do something, or um, just something that influenced you in a way that pushed you forward in your musical journey, basically more so than anything else. Interesting. Okay. And I already know mine. If you want me to, if you want me to go first, or you I can go pass first, the torch. And I like doing the circle. Okay, so we'll, around the we'll, horn. We'll do it three times. And Are we going clockwise or counterclockwise? Just for our listeners that what can't see. What would you prefer? Well, I'm an anarchist, so I like can- counterclockwise. Counterclockwise right, well, sounds great. Okay, so go. this so theater to of you, the mind. Yeah. If you will. <laughs> okay, great. So, um, so the three that I have, um, first one was no, just, just do the first one. We'll do the clockwise thing. Okay, so yeah. should we go? Th- okay, first one chronologically for me, uh, listening to Chopin, listening to classical music. Because you play the keyboard, and that's yeah. An incredible I started passion. playing. I started playing keyboard and, and piano when I was like nine, and whenever I really started getting into Chopin and, and listening to his stuff like relentlessly, I was just like, I have to do this. Like, I, there's no reason for me to not do this because I have every ability to do this, and I, I, I felt that I had sort of a knack to, to be able to do it with my ear. So yeah, that was one of the biggest ones. Just ha- listening to probably Chopin Opus Twenty Eight, I think. Maybe that's what it's called. Or 28 Preludes, that's what it's called. 28 Preludes, I think it's maybe Opus something. And Chopin was my first one. Nice. Um, I think it's a, mine is probably a guy I keep coming back to and I just I can't get over. Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, he'll always be... I need to listen to Bob Dylan, apparently. He's my favorite I've never listened I got an album of him, he's really good. 
He's my favorite artist, hands down. He taught, like, lyrics are such a huge part of music for me. Hey, yo, high five. That's funny. It's and not as much for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's no, fine. yeah, yeah, it's I love, fine. I love music without lyrics, too. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it's such a huge part for me. And Bob Dylan, well, I should rephrase it. There's a certain part of Bob Dylan's catalog that... Mm-hmm is so unbelievably poetic and beautiful. And it's just one thing to have great lyrics, but to know exactly how to put the right music to it at the mm-hmm. same time, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's always going to be a major influence, not only my music, but my life. Yeah. Like, thank awesome. you I think he's the most, maybe the most underplayed slash most influential underplayed musician that I know of. I mean, I feel like he's so, so influential. There's so many artists that draw from him, but he's not really talked about that much, you know? Well, he's not talked about too much these days. Uh, he definitely was back. back. Like, if you go back to, like, the 60s and 70s, he was definitely talked about. But not as much as, like, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles are today, you know? Yeah, that's probably true. I don't think many people... I think some people who but not as much as those two that you listed. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. What's yours, Chase? You probably know. I think, so. I think I do. Rush. Yep. I grew up listening to Rush mm-hmm. so much. I mean, my dad was just shepherded me into a Rush-filled life. It's a good See, one. I was going to guess Yo Gabba one. Gabba. That was close. <laughs> yeah. You were close. The Wiggles. But well, the you know when it clicked for with me for Rush, like not even when I saw them live was it like this mind-blowing thing. It was definitely an enjoyable show. But just when my dad would like be like, all right, so this song Natural Science is my favorite one, and he would just like kind of took me through the music. He was like, listen to the drums right here. And like some crazy shit would happen. Yeah. And then he'd be like, um, "You see how they're singing right now? That's called harmony." You mm-hmm. know, like, "Oh, damn!" And then it's like that. You count that was like that. your classroom. He was like, "Count that out." He's like, "That is like a seven-four timeline, which people don't do. Mm-hmm. And not only are they doing it, but they're doing incredible shit over it." Yeah, it's like natural sounding. And I think it's also where my love of lyrics came from, because uh, Pert is like, I'm not gonna say he's the greatest lyricist ever, or you know, they're. How, take take what he's how he writes for what you will, but he does put a shit ton of thought behind him. He's your favorite lyricist, right? I mean, yeah. I think we could no shame objectively in that. say it. he's very. I think he's very literary and he I has mean, very poetic words as well. And I love concept albums just because I love storytelling. And mm-hmm. Rush is nothing like. There's so many good concept albums, and yeah. there's so many lines where I'll just be like on a weekly basis something will happen in a like during the day and it'll draw a rush line out of my head <laughs> and i'm like you know what more do you it's want it's a good sign yeah. it's a good sign you know i'll be doing those things and just and you'll put fill like it's like <laughs> that, that's <laughs> exactly that's like when i was filling my taxes out i was like <laughs> this is really a <laughs> <laughs> okay so my number 2 biggest wave uh, you know i did the the classical music for a while and I pursued that real heavily and then I think the next biggest way you'll know this one is is Radiohead um, just because for the first time that I listened to them it was the first time that I listened to music that I couldn't explain why I liked it but I did seriously yeah and and it was also something that like was a little off-putting when I first heard it and, and but I was still intrigued enough to pursue it yeah they really taught me that like it's kind of fun to indulge in negative feelings if they can be done well. Yes, as long as as long as it's not just being negative to be negative. You know, I mean, I, they kind of put a cloud over some of their tones and 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 what they're producing. But when you get to the heart of it, it's still like very feely music. It's still like energetic and it still has a lot of life to it. 
It's like an upbeat melancholy. Yes, yeah. yes. It's like being happy that you have doom. And you know, like, kind of. And like that's the, even like going back. That's kind of like how I feel about the Velvet Underground too. Because if you listen to a lot of their songs, like "Who Loves the Sun," like <laughs> songs like that, and it's that same time feel. And I love Radiohead, and I love it all. But I just love that upbeat melancholy, the kind of yeah. thing that like gets you like, wow, this song is so happy and so sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a multitude of emotions coming through in this, like, pops, oh, this, like, upbeat, like, fun, yeah. groovy song. Sure. Like that. But, yeah, I, I think that was, like, the first, the first time that it really clicked that, like, I could be making music that sounds weird or that's, you know, not, it doesn't just sound good just to sound good it, it, it is what it is and uh the more that you listen to it the more you become familiar with it and more becomes like your baby almost like that's the first time i would ever had anything like that and it opened up kind of new doors for how i went about uh, making my songs so yeah that was my number two okay nice um my number two just on the spot um would probably be frank zappa I still haven't listened. I don't to know who that is. Everyone, so many, too many people are so unaware of Frank I know. Zappa. My friend, my buddy Cole, like he beats the drum for sure. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need to check him out. There's, there's too many well thought out, like intelligent people telling me that he's good. <laughs> yeah, I should him. do then. He's one of those guys that's like, it's okay to be weird. Like that's like he was one of like the early guys, but it's okay to be weird. It's okay to criticize the weird at the same time. Yeah, but. Okay. And it's also okay to take in all these genres because he was one of the pioneers of jazz fusion. Like mm. some of his songs are just straight up like comedic, like they're funny. Like there's right. a whole album just humor belong in music, and it's an interesting debate that I don't know if we have time to get into. But <laughs> I, I gotta preach Frank Zappa because I think he's so great for the sheer complexity of his music sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're talking about different time signatures. He would change it up mid-song. Like, I have a whole book of like his time signatures. Like, really? Like, well, it's, like, it's a sheet music, but you just see it goes from like 3-8 to 10-13 to 4-4 to 5-4 throughout his songs. And he, has the, he always has the most top-notch musicians playing the most complex stuff, but then they'll be doing poop jokes on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's, uh, it's unbelievable. It still has life, you know? It's, it's still like human. Go listen to the album Apostrophe. It's probably his best one. That are Hot Rats. And it's like <laughs> Hot, hot rats. rats. There's only there's only one song with lyrics on that album. So it and it's all it's called Willie the Pimp. But he's just such a great it's he's bizarre. He says the most bizarre things, but they're so funny and poignant. But on top of this amazingly constructed early jazz fusion music. And it's not even. It's hard to call jazz fusion too, because at the same time, it's so hard hitting and like rocking. Yeah. I and he's the guy. He's the guy. If we're talking about waves, that mm-hmm. told me that it's all right to be weird in music. Explore it, but study it. Listen closely to what you're listening to, because you can see this influence. Like he, even though he mocks, being people, weird isn't enough. Basically, exactly. Being weird isn't enough. You have to know what you're doing, know what you're drawing from, know the doo-wop around you, and know what's wrong with it. Right. And know how to improve it. Cool. So Frank Zappa is my number two. All right, Chase. Um, my number two is going to be The Misfits. I like nice. it. I like it. I like that, My too. number two is The Misfits. That was a push forward for you. I, um, I went and saw Metallica live, and they covered a song in their encore. I never heard it before. And I really liked it. And I was like, what is this? And I found out it was a cover, and it was Last Caress. Hmm. And... The Misfits, 
I'm going to lump in my love for metal with them. You know, I, had, okay. I, I already good. I already had my love for metal at this point, mm-hmm. but they fit into that sort of like scheme. So the Misfits really showed me that like lyrics can be I don't give a shit. Also, yes. you know, like because to me, all the lyrics that I liked were super intense, like profound, and li- you know, literary. But these guys were singing about the most outrageous things ever, yeah, just horrible and, things. And <laughs> you want to talk about music that like isn't necessarily talent filled? Yeah, anybody can freaking cover a Misfits song, but that's not why it was good. It was just, it, and it also um, taught me almost about like aesthetic. You know, the Misfits were these big, just buff dudes with like a devil lock hair, and they wanted you to feel like you were watching a 1950s B horror movie when yeah. you watched them, and that's how it felt. Yeah, and that's super cool. And you know. I lump them in with metal too because there's just like such a raw feeling to them where like when you listen to their song like your head gets moving and like you get a feeling in your body and you mm-hmm. just you just go you know I, yeah I like it's just the sheer raw energy that music can produce sometimes yeah, yeah. which is why I love metal like when I right. get into these these moments where I get like all these kicked up just feelings of even grandness or epicness like metal makes me feel bigger than myself and yeah. like they. They're, you know, maybe they don't fit into that, but mm. the Misfits was definitely a a moment where I switched courses pretty hard. Yeah, you know? I'll give them an honorary mention too, just because they were the first band that I ever listened to. They were, they were. I listened to them almost at the heart of whenever I was starting to try and pursue music literacy and like be kind of profound in my pursuit or pursuit pursuing music pursuit of music uh but then yeah you dropped those on me and it was like (laughs) one of the first it was like one of the first bands like i had zero other than glenn danzig's voice which is extremely extremely like it makes you want you want to listen to it but at the same time like there was almost nothing about the music that i could pinpoint and be like that's why i like that music but i still liked that music a lot you know like it, it had an unexplainable connection with me. Sure. So, honorary mention to them. My number one, uh, which is uh, also chronologically the most recent, is uh, Snarky Puppy. There you me. go. Solid. Uh, Solid, choice. Solid choice. They were the ones that, you know, whenever I saw, I think his name's Corey Hall, uh, play the solo in Lingus. For he he's dude he he does the most amazing synth solo I still to this day I've ever seen, <laughs> and on top of it he's playing a keyboard with his left hand which is not just like not only in tune and stuff but it's like interesting chords that are changing that you wouldn't expect the whole time while he's soloing crazy shit on top, so that like made me get my synth rack I was like seventy five dollars getting a synth rack <laughs> we're getting that and then that's really they were the ones that had me pursue fresh pecans. They're the ones that had me shoot pursue uh, casual fresh bacon's bacon's um, bacon's. <laughs> they were they were really the ones that you know whenever I got this I was like I need to be in a band I, I I have to make music and they were the ones that really made me want to pursue live music uh, a lot more because uh, for some reason I had been closeted to the idea of live music not only because I haven't listened to live music very much but I don't know I just never really played it that much. And they were like, the thing about Snarky Puppy is we're a live band. Like, you can be all about, like, our recordings and stuff, but, like, the the real gusto is seeing us live and, like, improvise all these crazy songs and stuff. And so I think they were, like, the most recent and the most, you know, 
the most recent and one of the most profound waves that I felt because I just I had to do what they were doing. You know, that's why I that's basically why I brought together the Fresh Pecans group right now because it's like I we I'm happy to see that that we're this is our part of the narrative yeah, right here. I mean, yeah. It's great. Yeah, right? yeah. There you go. And you know, I, I don't know if you, I don't want to cut you up, but I'm happy you mentioned jazz too because that was my my last one. I don't know, I, it's hard to rank them, but definitely the Miles Davis quintet mm. quintet mm. is for me. Oh my god! And I love like I think the fr- I don't know how they characterize it, but like the first era with like Sonny Rollins and then John Coltrane. Yeah, like it's like. I love, like, with Bob Dylan, the sheer motion in his voice and his lyrics is great. Mm-hmm. But with them, it's how do you convey this, like... Dude, John Coltrane of- is one of the few artists that literally makes me laugh out loud when I listen to his music. <laughs> and that is incredible to me. He can, yeah, the sheer emotion that he can convey it's so with raw. an instrument, with a tool. Yes. Like, out of that, no words necessary. He can just make you feel. And Miles Davis. Oh my God, man! He's one of the greatest. At midnight, Miles Davis oh is God. just like, or Tempest Fidget or whatever. Like, holy it's money. shit! It's unbelievable. Have you ever heard of? Um, like, I've been listening to the sketches of Spain and Porgy and Bess. I haven't gotten really deep into Miles Davis's like mm. stuff because I know that he goes on for a while. I'm oh, yeah. more in like the older, um, like cool bop and, and hard bop sort of stuff. But like, I love, I love it. And I, I, it's hard for me to even say that he's my favorite jazz musician. Like, but it just it always strikes a chord with me. Like how unbelievably talented that group of musicians was in conveying something without words. Yeah. And I think that's always, that's a, if we're going to use this nebulous term of wave, waves, yeah. it, that undeniably is one of them for me. That's great. So my last answer is a little bit of a curveball. And like, you'll have to, I, I'm kind of upset that I don't get to mention jazz because honestly, Miles Davis is also a moment where I was like, holy shit. It's an honorary you, mention. You can come in on mine. Yeah, I'll let, okay. all right. Get a little honorary a, mention in yeah, there. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. But, and I don't want to say Radiohead either, even though that's a real easy one for me to do. Like, they absolutely changed how I think about listening to music. They were definitely an yeah, era. I think you had a similar they sort were, of... Yeah, they were like an era in my life. But I, what I'll say is I think that this moment I had when I was like in fifth grade probably led me to the point where I could appreciate Radiohead. Mm. And that was when... Um, on Toonami on Cartoon Network, they did this. They solid wow, throwback. We're going back. Right there. This is throwback. They Thursday. did this night where they played a bunch of music and they did music videos. And I'll give you two songs that like the first. The first time I heard Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas, Ooh, that's a good one. Hey, I was happy, dude. Yeah. You know, you go my whole up at that point. I'm like ten years old or whatever. I've only listened to classic rock essentially. Yeah. And I hear these guys late at night. I'm w- I'm up way later than I need to be. Mm. So that you've got that kind of like you way up past your bedtime, boy. Exactly. Yeah. You're you're on edge a little bit because you're, you're doing your thing. Clint Eastwood comes on and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't know music could sound like this. Yeah. You know. And there was and I would just listen to that song all day. And the music video is all kind of cool. And yeah. Like anime. And, and, and then I sort of listen to more. I don't. I'm not a I'm not to beat the gorillas drum too much because there's not, there's a lot that I don't like there, but right, still yeah. that song and then um, gonna sell or celebrate by Daft Punk was also a song that came on that night. And okay, so this techno electronic subdued sort of moody music I had never heard before, mm-hmm. and I was just like, holy shit! Hmm. Yeah, you know, I kind of like, I wanted to mention I was trying to think of my my three, and it's always hard to pick, but. The, the band that like kind of opened the door for me for 
the idea that electronic music could be good because that was one of those PC yeah. like middle yeah. school like, <laughs> yeah. nothing good has been written after 1979 you know like I was definitely one of those kids but the band like honorable mention I got thrown as Justice as like showing me that never heard, heard of them re- oh <laughs> you gotta check out Justice I'll give them yeah I'll give the, them uh, like seriously it's like you're talking about opening doors how music sounds and like the same thing they just have one like. They have more music out there. They've got they've got the one I think the best electronic album ever out there is Cross, and it's just so good that I don't know. That's my that's the band that opened the door to electronic music for me. Yeah, another honorable honorable mention. Yeah, the one that got me to say like, well, I guess electronic music isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, then, that's cool, man. I also had like a lot of gothic music that I listened to that influences how nice. I how I like music. AFI was a big oh, one for man. you. Oh man, I loved AFI. Him. <laughs> Him, I love him. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. Let's put numbers on these beers. Okay. Mm. Uh, Charlie, you go first. Yeah. I go first. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, this is a nice beer, I got to say. Um, I forget, do you guys factor in cost into evaluating the number system? If you like. It's really, honestly, just what you take from it. What like, I take from the beer? Just the whole experience of having the beer. You can factor cost in if you want. The whole experience of having the beer, and I'm definitely going to include cost, but I'm also going to include it, having a great conversation because it's a good conversational beer, too. Yes. Because it, it makes you think without distracting you. Sure. Yes. So I'm going to say, and this is out of 10? Yes. yes. You can do point fives. need like, be. Ooh, point mm. fives. All right, then I'm probably going to give this a solid, you know, I'm going to. I'm gonna give this a nine. Damn! I'm I'm going high up on this just because I think this is. It's hard to say that this is like such the best tasting beer I've had, which is it's a very good tasting beer. Yeah. But it definitely I think encapsulates the spirit of what I want a beer to do. Like yes. you can drink it. I think it's not gonna fill it. you up and like make you logy because definitely beers like great tasting beers can just fill you up and make you feel so like ugh, yeah. lethargic. Right. This beer, it's tasty. You can drink a shit ton of it. <laughs> there's no drawbacks. No draw. There's zero drawbacks to this beer, and so, and even though it's it's light on the um, the alcohol, but it's so good. Like it's so. I I'm giving this a nine. Oh, and the thing fair. is, like, I would I would probably if I saw this at the market and I was just gonna have another like day where I'm drinking beer with a buddy. Yeah. I I would not You'll hesitate. This would this would I would hit, definitely go back to the new Belgium Gulit. That's good. good. I like <laughs> yes. that. I like I'm giving that. this That's a nine. Good. That might be one of our highest um, guest user ratings. Yeah. To, to be, I I love a good beer though, so I'm always gonna. I feel you though. Yeah. No, so, yeah, yeah, that's what it's about. We yeah. we we usually try and strive for better beers. I mean, we said that we were gonna get weirder beers, but we ended up. I mean, we we still, yeah. we still get beers we know we're gonna like. Yeah. Um, I think that you pretty much nailed it, uh, and I think that you know, most of the things that I said before are probably true to to this point as well. I think I'm gonna give it a nine too, dude. Holy shit! And here's why. Holy for me, no. for me. Um, Let me guess. It's not. It's it not, was the bog myrtle. Yeah, <laughs> the elderflower. Um, it's not that you know. I'm not giving it a nine based on all beers I've had. I'm giving it a nine based on the type of beer that this is. And I think that there's not many beers that are like this that have so much flavor and so much. Uh, it seems complex, but it doesn't. It is but complex, you, but you don't. But when you drink it, you're not like, "Oh my gosh, this is so complex!" Like it doesn't weigh on you how complex it is. Okay, you know. Yeah, and it's very straightforward. It was exactly what we wanted. Like we we literally said, like going when we were at 
uh, flea market, we were just like, we want to get kind of like a lighter, summery beer that we can kind of just like, it'll just be an in and out kind of a, you know, a great light beer. And this was that, like, it had it still had 6.6% alcohol, which is better than most, or better than yeah, a lot. It wasn't four. Yeah, it wasn't like crap. And it ha- it was it was complex, but not too much complex, and it was light, and it was it was good, man. There was no drawback. So yeah, I give it a nine. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with an eight point five. Okay. Downer. I uh, <laughs> this this beer is super interesting. I think this beer would be a great gateway beer for people to like sour ales. I really do. Ooh, I like that. I um there is it's there, a gateway beer. It is a gateway <laughs> beer. You can try the hardest beers after this. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, on the nose, it's got this floral, like, outdoorsy smell to it. I really like the moniker of floral. Uh, to uh, me, it, yeah. like fl- or it smells like flowers. I like it, it really does. Then the taste, <laughs> there is a funk to it, man. There is something that's not, like... It's not bog myrtle. It's not. It might be the bog myrtle. <laughs> no, dude, that's definitely the whorehound. <laughs> I was thinking it was the yarrow, or but the wormwood. There is a weird. It doesn't make you pucker, but there is a nope. tang. There is yes. No pucker, Jerry. No pucker. No, none of that pucker. I think you nailed it. Though. But there's like an acidity or something, but that's not the only thing you're feeling because there is like a grassy. Like I just feel like I'm in a damn meadow. Yeah. When I you know drink that's this what beer. I was thinking. I was hearkening back to our. I, we were talking about this earlier, but the wheat fields in Germany. Yes. I feel like I'm walking amongst the wheat on a sunny day. Like I'm I'm active. I'm just drinking something good tasting, but it's not taking away from the experience of what's around me. It's like you you're know? on your way to the freaking. The city of Oz. And to be completely... <laughs> you know, <laughs> actually, what it, like, what it is is this beer is incredibly dry. It's not sweet. Yes. And I like that. Yes. I like how unsweet it is. And so, yeah, 8.5. This, what is it? The New Belgium Gruet. I think everyone should try this beer. This is fantastic. I think you're right that it's a good gateway beer. Yeah. It, it'd be like a great, like, sophisticated beer to give to somebody who's not a sophisticated drinker. Sure, sure. But even if you were sophisticated, I feel like you could sit down... And just enjoy this yes. beer. Yeah, there is no. I placed I at both parties. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really enjoyed having you on. This is a great my episode. pleasure. Yeah, it's it's one of the, my favorite episodes I've heard. <laughs> Seriously, it's probably the best looking episode yeah, to I've seen. It's a really attractive episode. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. That's <laughs> that's for sure. All right, uh, let's start the freaking plug diarrhea. <laughs> His favorite part. Witty Banter is on iTunes. Just search Witty Banter, hit subscribe, and we'll drip feed the shows to you every time they are new. They'll just show up in your download queue for free. Mm, um, you can also tasty. find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Hit like, and you'll keep up to date with all of our news. We're on Twitter, at Witty Banter Show. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Witty Banter episode, whatever. You'll see all of our beautiful faces there. Um you can email the show like Max did. Uh, yeah, we are wittybantershow at gmail.com. Max, thank you again for yes, the email. Thank you, Max. Really appreciated You're that. The best. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Hunter is at Diesel Dorset. Charlie, do you have a Twitter? I do not. Okay, that's fine. Good for you. But you can feel free to stop by my house. We're right near the In N Out Burger. So just <laughs> knock on every door around the neighborhood until you find me. It's kind of secluded, but yeah. you'll find it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the guy wearing the bandana. <laughs> yes, I love it, dude. I kind of stole from you a little yeah. bit lately. You, you've taken my bandana, boy? Well, He's been I've been wearing bandanas for my hair, so they kind of stick out of my out of my way a little bit sometimes. You, you caught me on a rare day where I'm not wearing one. They're, okay. all, they're all in the wash. Okay, yeah. It's a transitional day for you. It's, huh? a transi- it's part of the <laughs> Charlie Binko narrative, if you yeah. will. <laughs> That's Woody Banter. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. Mm. Have a good weekend. Boop, boop. 
Better.